Hi, this is Kaneke and Alina, your personal supporters that are here to help you feel truly special. We are on a mission to help you understand your dynamic nature and appreciate your unique talents. By helping you balance your yin and yang energies within, we can foster healing in our global community, one woman at a time. If you want to explore the opportunity to work with us individually, please shoot us an email at herlifecompass at gmail.com. That is H-E-R-L-I-F-E-C-O-M-P-A-S-S at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the new episode of Unleashing Her Feminine Powers. I'm your co-host, Alina. And I'm Kamiki. And we are so excited to be back for the new season of our podcast. Last year, if you've been listening, I just want to say thank you so much for joining our community, for tuning in to every episode. Last year, we had some amazing guests coming on for such insightful interviews on motherhood, corporate career being a startup, career after failure. And all of these episodes were so important to help us understand this unique journey of womanhood. And so we're so excited to dive into this new year with new insights and the new opportunities for growth. I agree, Alina. The year of 2023 was another level up for yourself and myself as we started inviting people and learning from hearing their journeys and paths they've taken in their life. I am so looking forward to elevate our podcast now in 2024. I'm so excited. I'm ready to do it. And this year, we're going to continue bringing on very insightful guests from different spheres. We're going to kick off this episode with a very essential skill, time management. Time management is crucial in lives of every single one of us. It seems very basic, but it's so needed for people people to be aware how to be smart around managing the time and feel like you are in control rather than you being responding to the situation and the time you are left with. Let's dive right into it. What is strategic time management and what are some great frameworks? Because I'm all about frameworks. Once you have a framework, it's like a formula that you can test drive for one and two or three or four times. And then after a while, it just becomes this automatic habit. When I think of time management, I always try to make it simple for people to understand. In its essence, it's really around what you define as important. And based on that, it really goes to how you prioritize events, people, processes around your time. If I think of a specific framework, the most common one used globally is the Eisenhower time management matrix, where it measures and helps you prioritize your time based on the urgency and importance. Tell me more about that. How does that work? What the matrix allows you to do is really look at the list of the tasks or everything that your time is being spent on every day, whether it's in a personal or professional space, you could be a working mom, you could be a housewife, but really making a list of things and reflecting, okay, where does my time go from the moment I wake up? Then you really prioritize and make a list out of it. Which one of them are important and which one of them are urgent? Which one of them are not important and which one of them are not urgent? And the definition of urgency versus non-urgency really goes in 
things that need to be done today, now, 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 those are things that are urgent. Things that could be done tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, end of the week, end of the month, that would be classified as non-urgent. Importance, it's a relative term. It really goes back to what's important to you. If it's a corporate world, it really ties back to your big strategic goals and big rocks. If it's your personal space, it really ties up to your values, the purpose that you think you bring in into this life. And depending on that, you really define what is important to you versus what is not important to you. And based on that, you block those tasks in one of the four quadrants. Important and urgent, quadrant number one. Right. And there's another quadrant, the second one. Important, but not urgent. So things that are important, but they don't have to be done now, 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 or today. It could be done okay. later. It requires a bit more planning, proactive, strategic approach to managing your time towards accomplishing certain tasks. Third quadrant, things that are urgent, but they're not important. And it could be, oh, Alina, can you help me with this? Can you do this? It could be routine type of tasks, or it could be some other people come and ask you for urgent help with something. But how important are those tasks to you? It's a question you need to ask yourself. And mm. then the last quadrant is neither important, no urgent. And yet mm. we tend to spend a lot of time there too. We call them time wasters. It's all just based on important and urgency. That's how you rate it each exactly. task. Exactly. So there's important and urgent, which are the things that we must tend to. And then there's important, not urgent. So these are the goals that we'd like to achieve for ourselves that are three to six months. Then there's urgent, not important. So anything that maybe other people want us to do right now, but it's not important for us. And then there's not important and not urgent. So things that we tend to procrastinate on. It doesn't necessarily have to be things that you procrastinate on, but it could be things that you get distracted to. Uh, but they're not necessarily important to you or they're not necessarily urgent to you but sometimes yes procrastinators might fall into the traps of that because they like to distract themselves doing something completely relevant rather than focusing on things that they should be doing let's say things that are important and urgent today so when i think about this technique my way of approaching it is a process of elimination so to me it's obvious not important not urgent those things that have to go to the bottom of the list i mean it's easier said than done because we get distracted by it all the time and then it's urgent not important so to me it sounds like it's when other people come to me and it was certain things or things that are not important to me but are urgent so those would be rated as second to last what is the impact how should one rate or write their tasks for the day based on this technique so the most common best practice around using that matrix is the most of your time should be spent in quadrant two which is important but not urgent which means you need to put in reflection activity into things that you will work on. It allows you to be strategic around managing your time well ahead of the fire. What it really means at the start of the day, you look at the th things or when people come and ask you for help, you have an ability to say, okay, how urgent does this need to be done? And then they say, let's say it needs to be done end of this week. You have an ability to say, okay, end of this week, let me put it in my calendar. I'll work on that. You proactively plan for it. You are controlling it and you have the resources 
and capacity to work with it. Versus if you are in quadrant one, which is important and urgent, if people have most of the tasks in that quadrant, which can be the case in a lot of people's lives, it's compared to fighting with a fire constantly. And if the person does it from eight to six throughout the day, it really long-term wise will lead to burnout and people feel like, oh, I'm not able to complete things that aligns with my purpose and I feel drained I feel tired I don't feel like myself because they are no longer proactively responding to the situation but more reacting to the fires that taking place and making sure it does not escalate further to me it sounds like always being on this flight or fight mode just kind of surviving it just sounds like your brain is constantly surviving and defending itself and reacting and we all know what happens it's not sustainable it's not our best work and in the long run it just leads to a lot of anxiety stress and burnout so if you look at the quadrant three as you rightly pointed out these are the things that you are very well familiar with it could be your daily emails it could be your daily routine type of things that you're busy with like you're dropping kids off you're doing some reading you're watching some certain things so things that you're just doing on autopilot in a workplace environment a corporate setting these are the some things that you can ask for help and you delegate to others this is an opportunity for you to develop other colleagues in alignment with the areas that they are interested in, that they have an opportunity to broaden their skills, to feed in their curiosity and try out elements that you are very well familiar with, but it's now an opportunity to pass on that knowledge and capacity building to other people. That's a great tip for number three. So outsourcing, delegating, working with a team. And I'm curious, I just want to go back to the one quadrant because I think a lot of people find themselves in the situation right now with lots of layoffs and just managing and juggling so many roles, I think a lot of people will find them in the quadrant one. Could you maybe share one tip for people that constantly find themselves putting out fires? How can they strategically move from quadrant one to quadrant two, perhaps? It really takes effort to step out of the firefighting mode Mm -hmm. and look at it from the outside world and see, okay, where is my time being spent? on what's the source of the fire and how can I anticipate that well ahead of the time it could be talking it through to people it could be looking at the processes or the lack of processes that lead to that it could be understanding that sometimes you could be the biggest bottleneck does it have to be you and as the result you're the one who has to fight with the fire because you have not been able to pass or share the responsibility and the workload with other people and you end up being the only one who can deal with that. I feel like the number one is just stepping out and being that observer will do so much impact in terms of gaining a Mm self-awareness and also maybe working with a coach. As you know, right now I'm working towards completing my ICF and now I'm beginning to fully understand the role of a coach, which is a co-partnership. From that one, it's so hard to step out because it's hard to see clearly when you're always working when flight or flight. Mm -hmm. But when you're working with a coach, they can ask you very thought-provoking questions to help you gain awareness in which areas that you are being that bottleneck for yourself. One would be saying yes to too many commitments. Two, not being able to say no. I mean, there's both go together. Mm -hmm. Three, 
working at places that don't align with your values for working at a place that doesn't spark that passion for you. Because I think we tend to burn out when we're not inspired or motivated or we're at places that we just don't feel like we're being valued. I think the number one is the biggest problem I see when I talk to so many people in my circle is just so many people find themselves in. And I, I feel like when you do work with a coach or you find a mentor, they can really help you understand and gain that self-awareness of how you can better manage yourself and then be able to set effective processes and automate certain things. And maybe in the next episode, we're going to dive into the power of outsourcing and asking for help because I think that it just seamlessly goes well with all of the four quadrants. I agree. And as you mentioned earlier, the ability to say no, the ability to take time without saying yes immediately and being comfortable to say, hey, this looks like an exciting opportunity. I would probably be very interested, but let me look at my plate and can I come back to you by tomorrow? to confirm whether I'll be able to do that or not. People need to be comfortable to say that, especially those who are uncomfortable to say no in the moment. Mm -hmm. They could say, hey, this looks great, but can I come back to you tomorrow or the day after tomorrow? I just need to look at other things that I'm busy with and then I'll be able to confirm whether I'll be able to help you or not. That is so powerful. That just gives you that space and you buy yourself time before you even commit because you can step back and sleep on it, rest on it, check your calendar, check your schedule, and then make that conscious decision. And another thing that comes up to me is a yogic tip is noticing how this feels in your body. Mm. So when some people come to you with requests or opportunities, and this is what somatic coaching is, right? And the same thing with yoga is, how does that feel in your body? Where do you feel that sensation? Do you feel expansive or do you tend to want to hide? How does that make you feel? This important technique is before you even respond, you can create that space of awareness and one simple way of doing that is just taking deep breaths just three or four kind of settling into your body activating your parasympathetic nervous system getting out of that fight or flight mindset and then noticing how this feels in your body and if your body is calm and it feels like oh this is exciting i feel butterflies i feel exciting maybe then you want to do it then it becomes important not urgent it's kind of shifting into that quadrant it's like okay this is something that i it's important to me because it's it aligns with my values mm -hmm. but it's not urgent and then you can set the time because you can be on the offense not defense Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't feel good in your body, where you're like, oh, you know, it makes you feel small or maybe tight and you get this feeling of anxiety or overwhelm pressure on your shoulders, that is a good sign that this might not be the right opportunity for you. And in that moment, if you can't say no on the go, you could say, okay, you know what, let me think about this and get back to you. And then you could strategically think of a response. And the great thing about working with your intuition that you get better. You start to hear those responses from your body much quicker. It might be harder in the beginning, but with more practice, you'll notice that, okay, this feels good, this doesn't feel good. And so you'll be able to say no from a place of empowerment rather than fear. Oh, I love that. It's an opportunity to be more aware and be more in line with who you truly are and not mm. being rushed in the moment 
by the urgency or the importance or depending on who's asking you for help. That's it for today's episode. And I'm so excited to dive into you know the soft skills, essential skills that we're going to be unpacking in the next few episodes. That's all for today. My name is Kanike. And my name is Alina. Till next time.